Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Good to see you. Hey, if you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and uh, I'm going to be wrapping up a series this weekend called Thunderstruck, where we're, uh, we're understanding together what it means to, to discover how it is to hear the voice of God. And I'm hoping and praying that for some of us, this last month or so has been a bit uh, of a, an eye-opening, and more importantly, a heart-opening experience. I'm really praying for each one of us that, that we will grow to be people who, who, catch, uh, who catch what God wants to say to us. But uh, so this past week, I, was, uh, man, I, was, I, I saw something in the news that I had to go back and watch again and again. And, and what it was, was there was this uh, there was this plane that, that was down in Florida. It was a, a little plane, a Cessna 208. One of these little guys looks like, you know, a single, one of those little guys, like those, like that, and kind of like that too, like a propeller right here, and then, yeah, there you go, <laughs> other way around. That's that, a plane like that, a little Cessna 208, and um, it was leaving from the Bahamas, and it left the Bahamas, and it's flying, right? And, and uh, there's two passengers in the back, a little eight-seater, and one guy piloting it, and they're over the Atlantic Ocean, and the pilot is up in the front flying, and, and the two passengers back here, and the one guy sees something. He sees this moment when the pilot who's flying suddenly does, he suddenly goes like this. And, and so he's wondering, like, is he going to, is he stretching? I mean, the stretching never stopped. So he climbs over the seats, gets up to the front, and he, you know, p- pulls the guy off, and and he, he realizes the pilot's totally unconscious, like unable to even respond, right? And so he gets in the seat, and he's, he's trying to figure out what to do. He, 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 gets, he, gets, uh, he gets on the intercom. And on the intercom, uh, this is what happens. Actually, uh, the, the, the conversation went like this. Uh, he, he hits all the buttons, somehow figures out how to make the thing work, and somebody answers, and he says, uh, hello, hello, uh, my pilot has gone incoherent, and uh, yeah, I have no idea how to fly a plane. And so the, the dispatcher said, Roger that, what's your position? The guy's answer is, I have no idea. I think I see Florida. <laughs> and he said three times, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Can you even imagine that? Can you even imagine? You're in one of these little tiny little rickety little planes and the pilot conks out and then suddenly you're at the wheel. Like, can you even imagine? Like for some of us, that's our worst fear is why we don't even want to fly anywhere. And, 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 then, uh, and then what happens though over the, is that the dispatcher gets the master flight controller on the radio who happens to be a flight instructor. And then for the next 30 minutes, he gives this guy a crash course in how to fly a plane. (laughs) And he teaches him how to fly, doing figure eights and circles over the Atlantic Ocean, and helps him figure out how to fly a plane. And then he says, okay, remember how before you thought you saw Florida? Yeah, head back in that direction. And he brought him in to uh, Palm Beach International Airport. And so he pointed him in that direction, brought him from 5,000 feet down to 1,000 feet, helped him figure out what trims to to push and what dials to turn and what to do with the pedals. And he gets him to 300 feet, focusing in on that runway, then 250 feet, and then 200 feet, and there's fire trucks and ambulances and everybody, and 100 feet, and then 50 feet, and then perfect touchdown. 
other pilots that watched this said that landing was a 10 out of 10. Like it was an amazing moment, right? Makes you want to clap, you didn't even see it. But I mean, this is the scene on the ground. There's, you know, the trucks are racing over and, and trying to help, but they weren't even needed because the guy landed the plane so well. And it was an amazing moment. And, and this guy, uh, the, 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 the passenger turned sudden pilot uh, ends up, he's like, the first thing he wanted to do after this landing was, I want to meet that guy who, who, who taught me how to fly in 30 minutes. And so that's what happens next. He gets together with the guy who taught him. They become buddies. And, and, and if I were him, I would be framing his picture. I'd put it over my bed. You know, <laughs> I would like to meet the man who helped me not crash into the Atlantic Ocean from 10,000 feet. But, you know, this... This moment of what happened, uh, there's a little bit more detail to it that I thought was just kind of mind-blowing. Like, so he's crawling over the seats, and then a local reporter uh, got hold of a, a, another Cessna 208 to just give a visual of kind of what it, what it looked like in this moment. And this is, this is what happened. This is his description of that. He had to pull the incapacitated pilot back from the control because he'd slumped over. Then he had to grab the controls, pull the plane back out of a nosedive, and then look for these, look for some headsets. But unfortunately, the headsets were disconnected. So in the chaos, he's looking for a place to plug in so that he could then call the tower for help. <laughs> Somebody say, call the tower for help. Come on, you had to know where I was going. I mean, for a guy who's preaching a message about hearing the voice of God, and you see that, it's like a t-ball setup, okay, for, for, for an illustration. But, but that, that moment of, of recognizing, I have no idea what to do, and I need to hear somebody who does. And, and searching for the way to get that headset on, and then, and then realizing it's not connected. It's not connected. I've got to find out how to get the plug into the right thing and turn the right dial. And that is the moment that changed everything. The moment of plugging in and connecting that headset is what turned a tragedy into a triumph. That moment of being able to connect so that he could hear that voice is what caused this uh, to not be his final moment on earth, probably. And, and I wanted to just say in this whole series, Thunderstruck, about hearing God's voice. That's what it's about. At the heart of it, it's about you and me being people who know how to make the connection, who know how to have that plug-in happen so that we can hear God's voice and we can get God's direction for our lives and we can move the way he wants. And who knows what tragedy might uh, be averted just because you got the headset on, you, you've made the connection, and you're listening. Right? Amen. In Job, the book of Job, one of Job's lousy friends gets one thing right. Maybe a, a few things. When he said these words in Job 33, Job 33, he says, for God speaks again and again, though people don't recognize it. I'm going to say that one again, verse 14 again. For God speaks again and again though people don't recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong. He keeps them from pride. Ah, I, I want to just say that, that part of what is revealed here in Job 33 is that it is the essence of a fully formed human to know the voice of her or his creator. 
and to be able to recognize the voice of, of the God who has made you and then to figure out how to live out and heed what God is saying to you. And sometimes, I mean, Job 33, take it to heart for a minute. Sometimes when God is speaking to you, it's not just because he wants to whisper some sweet nothings into your ear and say, oh, you're just so perfect. But instead, God might want to speak to you sometimes and say, hey, 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 you need to turn to the right. You're about to crash. Sometimes God may speak to you and say, listen, nobody else sees it, but I see what's going on. And we need to correct the course now. And sometimes God is wanting to speak to you so that you would have his affirmation in a time when you need his encouragement and no one else could give it to you. This is part of what it means to be really human and really alive, is to have not just the surface and the intellect activated, but the depths of the spirit activated to be able to know my heavenly father's voice, what he has to say to me in this life. It matters. I'm praying for that for you and me, that we would grow to be people who, who have that activated inside of us. And, and the plug is securely plugged in, the headset's on, and you hear his voice. That's what I'm praying for. And we're going to take a moment to turn today to First Kings chapter 19. So get your Bible out, or it'll be on the screen, but if you brought a Bible, 1 Kings 19, and make your way over there now, 1 Kings 19, and here's kind of the setting. You could find the scripture on your phone on a Bible app. It would help for you to become more familiar with accessing the scriptures if it's not familiar to you, but 1 Kings 19, the setting is this. And, and, uh, we, we did a whole series on Elijah uh, three or four months ago, so I'm not going to drill into the depths right now, but Elijah's a prophet. A prophet among the Jewish people, somebody who has that deeply formed capacity as a, as a complete human of being able to hear the voice of God. And, and he's demonstrating, lives it. And, and in his living out of hearing the word of God, he comes up against the powers that be. He takes a stand against evil Queen Jezebel and the false prophets of Baal, and somebody had to do it. And this man of God, fueled by having heard the voice of God, took his stand. But after so many instances of taking his stand, he was wiped out. He was completely depleted. He was tired, exhausted, and fatigued. And, and so he just he had to go. And in his case, Elijah, the prophet, ran. He ran off to the wilderness to get alone and He's dealing with this deep fatigue and depletion at this moment. When we're about to, ju we're jumping right into the middle of a story, basically. So I want you to know where we're coming from. Prophet, man of God, empty, fatigued, depleted, tired. And then this happens as he runs off into the wilderness. First Kings 19, verse 9. Is there, he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? This, this moment in scripture, it's one of these moments that it, it stands the test of time. And some of you, you've heard it. You, it's in your memory. You kind of know this one. But what I would say about it, if I were to describe just these few verses from the Bible, is it's a movement from, from the spectacular to the subtle. That's really kind of what you see. And, and you know, the truth is, Elijah, he had absolutely experienced God in the big stuff, in the spectacular. He'd experienced God in the spectacular of his, his mighty rushing wind, his rock-splitting presence and voice. And he'd experienced God in the fire for sure, so much so he called the fire down. This was the kind of thing that he was, he was accustomed to, he was familiar with. And, but in this moment, God, in a sense, it was as though God was saying, you do know me in the spectacular, Elijah but I want to take you to a deeper place. I want to, I want to activate a, an even deeper mode of, of knowing me than you even know already. And, and then he hears the whisper. But I wonder if maybe for some of you, you've, you've experienced a bit of a movement from, from the spectacular of God as well. And maybe it's spectacularly awesome or maybe spectacularly terrible. I don't know. But maybe you've experienced God in the, in the spectacular of the, the mighty rushing wind of his breakthrough goodness in your life. And suddenly you're able to buy that business or start that enterprise or you get that new opportunity. And all of a sudden you're making all the money and things are going so well. And maybe for somebody, God's waiting on you to recognize that it was his goodness in your life that that all happened. But, but that, that spectacular of the breakthrough, or for someone else, you've experienced God in the spectacular, terrible of the earthquake that hit your marriage, that almost tore it apart, or maybe even did. And, and in all of that, you know, yeah, but God was there, and God got a hold of me. God got my attention. God was speaking to me through that. And somebody else, you, you've experienced God in the fire of them. Of a, of a powerful new opportunity or the fire of a terrible diagnosis or the fire of a, of a, of a, of a death and a loss or the, the fire of, of getting fired. But in and through it all, you knew God is speaking to me. God is alive. God is doing something. God's got my attention here. And a lot of us have been through moments where in the spectacular, we're willing to go, okay, okay, yeah, God. God's up to something, God's doing something, and maybe you might even say, God's speaking to me, that kind of thing. But I believe that God is also looking at you and me and saying, I'm glad you can experience me in the spectacular, but I want to take you to a place where you know me in the subtle, where you know me, where you hear me on the daily. And it's not just when everything's falling apart, that's when I'll hear from God. But more like the way... Maybe even a husband and wife would have a daily way of knowing one another. And so there's this movement from the spectacular to the, to the subtle. And ultimately, the subtle is, is 
It's concentrated into that one phrase that was in verse 12. I want you to dwell on it for just a moment with me. It said in verse 12, after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, say it with me, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. One more time, say it. There was the sound of a gentle whisper. Gentle whisper. In this message series, Thunderstruck, about hearing the voice of God, I've, I've tried to draw out from the scriptures that there are at least 10 different ways that God speaks to us. And, and, and some of those ways I would put in the category of the gentle whisper. And it's important that we're able to acknowledge this, that, that sometimes God does speak in the big wow kinds of ways, but that there's just as much likelihood that he will speak to you and me in the gentle whisper, in, in the subtle. And our, our, our minds need to be open and ready for the possibility. But I found myself sometimes thinking, God, why? Why do you want to speak in the, in the whisper? Because I'm thinking the whisper is, is hard, actually. Because the whisper is something that, you know, you can get it wrong if you aren't paying close attention. A whisper is something that you might have trouble deciphering it if there's other noise going on. The whisper is something that I mean, it kind of takes effort from you, <laughs> requires something of you. But I think maybe that's part of why God loves to speak in the whisper, because because God loves to see you as his daughter, as his son, walking by faith. And it takes faith to take a gentle whisper and to, and to think, I think there's something from God here. And to bring it in close where you're actually thinking about it, meditating on it. And if you get a gentle whisper and you're doing it right, you're probably also going to bring it to some other mature believers or brothers and sisters to say, hey, you know, I get this sense that maybe God is saying this. What do you think? And you get a couple of other people in on the action of helping you to discern, is it really what God is saying? And, and if you are really catching a gentle whisper from God, it goes into a deeper place within you where you're meditating on it. And you're, you're meditating on it because you're thinking, is this, is this just me or is God really speaking? And does it actually line up with the scriptures? And, and when you hear the gentle whisper, it, it moves you to a deeper place. And it takes faith. It requires faith from you, which is what pleases God the most. And so I think part of why God speaks in the gentle whisper is because he wants to see you living by faith. And, and if it was an audible voice, my daughter, you need to turn left right now. Like, that wouldn't take any faith at all. It's, oh, thanks. <laughs> turn left right now. But God loves seeing sons and daughters who are learning to walk by faith, not by sight, or the distinct audible. I think there's another reason, though. I think there's another reason why God loves to, to speak through the gentle whisper. And I think it's like this. I, I'm going uh, to do it like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try something here. So, um, hey, Derek. Derek, 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 Derek. Hey, Derek. I want you. Hey, Derek. I want you. 
Okay, okay. Hey, Derek, I want you to know you're an amazing man of God, and I love you, brother. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. You see it. You see it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, let's do this right. Let me get my arm out here. He needed to come close. Thank you, brother. He needed to come close. There's something about the gentle whisper that provokes you. You, you, you catch just a faint bit of that, and, and it provokes you to need to do something. Like, if I'm really going to catch what God's heart is here, I need to lean in. I need to get closer to him. And that's part of why God does it, because he has a desire for you to actually live in closeness with him. And his whisper is part of what gets you there. It causes you to be able to think, how am I going to hear what God is saying? I got to come near. I got to come close. And, and I, I think maybe part of what is on God's heart is what happened at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. I mean, the Garden of Eden, you get this depiction of what God loves. And it's God just, he says, comes in the cool of the day just to hang out with Adam and Eve, and it's this meta-narrative depiction of what God desires for you and me, closeness, unhindered, unfettered, so he can put his arm around you, you can hear his whisper. I remember back in the day, it was, I mean, maybe 20, 30 years ago, I don't know, but some group of Christians that I was a part of at the time, there was this one song that we were singing or they sang or I don't know, but it got its place down in my heart and I find myself sometimes, uh, sometimes singing it and, and it just goes like this. It goes, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, <laughs> none other has ever known. And there's something about that line, right? The joy we share as we tarry there, no other has ever known. As in like, you know, other people probably might just not get it. And that's all right. That's their problem. <laughs> the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And that song, that lyric, it, I, I feel like it, it encapsulates what God desires for any of us that would live a thunderstruck kind of life, shocked and surprised by God's voice coming through to us. And, and it's about the closeness. It's about the closeness. And so my message today, in a nutshell, is this declaration. I walk closely with my God because I want to hear his whisper. I walk closely with my God because I want to hear his whispers. You say it with me. I walk closely with my God because I want to hear his whispers. One more time. I will walk closely with my God because I want to hear his whispers 
anything he wants to say to me so that I could be part of his kingdom solution in this earth. I walk closely with my God because I want to hear his whispers about what is going on with my family and how I can show up in a new way to bring healing. I want to walk closely with my God so that I will hear his whispers about what my next step in my life is actually meant to be. I will walk closely with my God so I can hear his whispers about what's happening in the world and how I'm supposed to take a stand in some way. I want to walk closely with my God so I'll hear his whispers. And his whispers are one of the ways we catch his love. Uh, but I, <laughs> I want to just acknowledge something for a moment. Okay, so this series, five weeks about hearing the voice of God. We need to be able to acknowledge something. Talking about hearing God's voice sounds a little crazy. Doesn't it? It's okay. You, you can go, all right, yeah, I was kind of thinking that too, I'm actually. There's a number of us that all along these five weeks, we've been going, wait a minute, are you serious? This is kind of crazy, hearing God's voice. I mean, for some of us who have been around the church for 10 or 20 years, we're kind of used to it, right? We're used to the language of, and somebody says, oh, yeah, you know, um, God told me that I need to stop being uh, so bitter, and I have to forgive him, so I did. Or get, you hear somebody saying, yeah, God told me that I, that I needed to go and show and be a part of this men's group. Or, yeah, God told me that I, I needed to start this business. And, and some of us who've been around the church for a while, we're kind of used to it, right? But I, personally, I rewind my own tape to a moment when I, it was very new to me. I just recently you know, rededicated my life to Jesus, and I'm around these people talking about, ah, oh, God told me. And I'm thinking to myself, these people are kind of crazy. They, they talk about they're hearing God speak to them all the time. And it, you know, there's, a, there's a part of it that's kind of uh, mysterious and intriguing. God told me to stop being so bitter and to forgive him. And you go, wow. And, but then it gets kind of also crazy. Uh, God told me to buy a coffee right now. And God told me to put hazelnut creamer in the coffee right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, in some circles, it gets a little wacko. Like, to me, that's, my, 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 to me, that's a little on the wacko edge. A little. A little. God bless you if you did that this morning. But it's just... I mean, truly, like, you, you, you have to remember this, that there's a way in which the idea and the talking about God talked to me, God said something to me, it sounds a little crazy. Like, uh, especially someone who's not a part of a believing community like this, it's a little bit like, wait a minute, so you're telling me you hear voices inside your head, okay? Because we have places we send people who have that experience, and there's pads on the walls, all right? And, and, and I just want to, I just want to acknowledge that. That it can, get, it can get a little weird. Because we're, for the most part, we are talking about, if I could put it this way, a voice in our head. Here, here's what the scripture says, though, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, but people who aren't spiritual, that is, have not been activated in a deep way inside about the reality of a relationship with God where you actually know him and hear him. But people who aren't spiritual, can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds, it all sounds foolish to them. You just got to remember that sometimes. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. And those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. Everybody say evaluate all things. Say it again. Evaluate all things. Evaluate all things. They themselves can't be evaluated by others for who can know the Lord's thoughts. Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. Say this with me. For we have 
the mind of Christ. That last phrase, one more time, say, for we have the mind of Christ. When we are talking about hearing the voice of God, we need to acknowledge a couple of central facts. And the first one is this. When you gave your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, I really believe in you, I'm yours, you were born again. And for some of you, that's actually what needs to happen next in your life. You need to actually once and for all give your life to Jesus and stop playing religious games. But when you give your life to Jesus, you're born again, you're changed from the inside out, and God's spirit comes to live in you. You're filled with the spirit. You get his spirit, the very spirit of Jesus. And because of that, you have the mind of Christ. That's not to say, therefore, everything you think is always right. No, it's not that. What it does mean is, though, you have a new way of access to the very wisdom of God himself. At any moment, you have the mind of Christ. And that's why you are able to hear the voice of God. Because he's done something new. He's placed something. There's a new apparatus within you where there's a connection possibility that might not have been there otherwise. But I, I want to I share this I, again. I, I said it a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again. Personally, I'm very grateful that I hear the voice of God all the time, every day. <laughs> I really do. I hear, I hear God speaking to me every single day, all the time. And if that weirds you out a little bit, I get it. But it's my reality. He does. He speaks to me all the time. Sometimes there's, there's so much of what God is saying, I probably couldn't even keep up if I tried. Other times he's speaking to me, but at the very least it's because I open my Bible every single day. And he gives me something of his heart and, and his voice through his word. But he's always speaking to me. But this is what I've discovered. I've discovered, and, and this is my practice, you'll rarely hear me saying God told me. I'm telling you, I hear his voice a lot, but I keep it to myself. And I want to commend that to you. I think it's an important part of the experience of hearing God's voice, is learning how to kind of keep it close. Even though I'm hearing from God a lot throughout my day, I'm not going around saying, hey, God told me that you need to, hey, God told me that we're going to, instead, this is my language. Hey, I have a strong sense that, you know, I have, a, I have, an, I have an inkling that, I kind of have a feeling that, and I choose this language out of a, of a, 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 a humility of awareness that I could totally be wrong and I think that's an important thing for somebody claiming to hear from God, don't you? Yeah. That, that is always something that's tethering me, is I, I think I'm hearing from God, but I could totally be wrong. And if you're claiming to hear from God, I hope that you would carry it with a humility like that. And maybe, maybe you also should, should, should tone down the God told me language. Because sometimes it gets weird like this. Somebody will say, well, God told me. And then you, go, you can't even say anything back to them. Because the big guy, he says, so therefore, I'm right, you're wrong, this is done, right? Spiritual arm twisting, battle one. Let's not do that. And maybe it would be good to know, I have a confidence inside, I'm catching something from the Spirit of God, there's been a gentle whisper, I've heard his voice, but the way I'm talking about it is, you know, I have a sense that, that sounds something like you could, you could receive that, right? I know what's going on for me internally, in a deep sense, I've got the clear sense God is speaking to me, but I reserve the words God told me 
for, for rare instances. <laughs> and I hope that you might consider that as well. And here's why. Because in, in 1 Thessalonians, we're, we're literally told to. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. It says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one bringing the mind of Christ into active awareness where you're hearing from God. So you do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And some of you, I'm telling you, you need to get comfortable with more of the active, fiery goodness of the Holy Spirit. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. But do not scoff at prophecies. Prophecies are those ways in which somebody is catching a sense they're hearing from God and maybe even saying it about themselves or someone else. Do not scoff at prophecies, but say this out loud with me. But test everything. Say it again. But test everything that is said. Test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Do you know what the implication is? There's going to be a bunch of stuff that is prophetic, that is that it's a God told me, that isn't good. You see it, Right? And so God is, is saying, just expect that. You're not going to infallibly hear from God all the time. Have some humility about this. And just walk in a humble stance. Hold it loosely. Yes, I feel I'm hearing from God. But I could be wrong. But I'm, I'm going to say it like this. I sense that. I have a feeling that. I've got a hunch that. I kind of think that. And if somebody really wants to go deeper, maybe you can say, it's, well, it felt like God was saying it to me. This is the way to proceed with hearing from God and sharing about it in a way that actually helps the situation. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, and, and sometimes we need to acknowledge our need for other people in discerning what God is saying. I think it's highly important when we begin to make decisions and we're sensing, I feel like God is saying, that we include other people in what's going to happen next. Here's why. Because we may hear something, but it may be correct and incomplete, and we needed other people to catch some of the missing pieces sometimes. For an illustration, let me put it like this. Two weeks ago, I shared about my daughter Shiloh and what happened when a, a broken mason jar fell on her foot. And the way it went down, in case you didn't hear it, was I was sitting at work at my desk with an hour and a half of work to do, ready to plow through it. And in an instant, from deep within me, I felt this strong impression, go home now. And I jumped up from my desk, threw my stuff aside, and literally ran out the door without putting anything away and raced home. Four or five minutes later, I walked through the door at my house, and my daughter's crying. She's in the shower with blood gushing out of her foot. It was terrifying. And, and I realized very quickly, God spoke to me because my daughter needed me. No one else was home. And it was, wow. And then if you remember how I shared a couple of weeks ago, I ended by saying, and long story short, Shiloh came home with four stitches that night. How many know there's a little bit to that long story? <laughs> I did hear correctly from God, and it was miraculous. It was absolutely miraculous. No one can ever tell me otherwise. It was miraculous. And, and yet it was incomplete, because here's what happened. I get home, and I, and I, I take my daughter. I, I wash out that wound. I, I had first aid when, when I was 18. So hey, I, <laughs> I wash out the, the wound, and I do the hydrogen peroxide, and, and I just get some gauze, and I pack it all with gauze, and I wrap it up with tape super tight. And to me, I'm like, well, I mean, it was a terrible cut. And you were bleeding tons, but I think I wrapped it so good that it's going to cut off your circulation, so I think you're fine. And, and she had water polo. I'm like, oh, yeah, just go to water polo and drop her off at water polo. And here's my daughter, like, hobbling around on the pool deck with her foot, like, 
yeah, and, and that was me. And then she comes home from water polo, and by then Anne had gotten home, and, and then Anne quickly, because she, Anne's a nurse, <laughs> and she un, unwrapped my gauze and, and packing and, and instantly almost kind of looked at me like, are you crazy? Like, what? <laughs> and then she also has the mind of Christ, that apparatus inside to hear what God's direction might be. And within seconds, they were in the car going to the ER. And that's how Shiloh came home with four stitches in her night. <laughs> Do you see, there's, there was more to the story. <laughs> but I did hear correctly, but it was incomplete. And there needed to be more in the broader community to help refine and understand what should really happen next. And in all of our experiences of hearing the voice of God, we need to make place for the fact that we may get something, but we also may get it incomplete or even incorrect and have the humility to own that. And, and I'll share this. In my experience of hearing from God, I recognize that often when we're hearing from God, we're talking about, what are you saying, God? But my learning curve has, has included failure in this way. I'll catch a, this is what God is saying. And then I just impulsively just go do that. But there was also a when. There was also a, a how. There was also a who. And if I had been more mature in some instances I'm thinking of, I might have held that, well, this is what I think God is saying. But now, Lord, let me also know about the when. Help me understand the timing better. And who? Who else needs to be a part of this discerning process? Because uh, there's a decision here. There's something big. And, and there's probably some other voices that need to help uh, suss out what God is saying with the, with the how. How, God, how do you want this thing to, to take place? And this is something I'm, 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 I'm passing along to you. I hope that you will remember this. Yes, listen for what God is saying in all the ways. But submit yourself then to hold that loosely as you also ask God, and when, God, when is your timing for these things? And how, God, how do you want this to go? What else do you want to say about how your heart could be reflected better in it? And who, God, who else should be a part of this moment to hold it well as something that you are speaking about? Please, hear what God is saying, but don't forget God's when, God's how, and God's who in whatever he'll say to you. Right now, I believe that what needs to happen for somebody is what you need to hear from God is that you are loved and you can be forgiven and you can be saved. I really believe that for somebody, that's what you need to hear from God today. And, and I'll share this from Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says this in Romans 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved You'll be saved. And I believe that God wants for somebody today to be saved, to be saved from your sin, to be saved from the weight of shame and guilt that is caused by the sin, to be saved from the, uh, the, the, the threat of hell for all eternity, to be saved from the hell that you're going through, to be saved. Yeah. And you can be saved. I'm telling you today, somebody, you need to hear this. You can be saved. You're not too far gone. God's not saying, yeah, it doesn't count for you. You can be saved. And the way you can be saved is to confess the name of the Lord Jesus. To say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. 
Would you forgive my sin and save my life? And for somebody, you, you, I'm glad you came to church today. That's so good. But the next step is you got to come to Jesus. Yes. For real. And, and to have a moment in time for once and for all where you say, Jesus, would you save me? The only reason a bunch of us are excited about what God's doing in our life and being together as a church is because we got saved. That's all. We got saved, and we know how good it is that he forgave our sin and set us free from the threat of hell and gave us the hope of heaven and his power for here and now. And I can't help but say, thank you, God. And when we sing a hallelujah song that I want us to sing again at the end, if they can hear me, uh, we sing a hallelujah. That's what we have to offer. But somebody for today, you, you, gotta, you need to be saved. And so I want to pray right now for God's work to happen in your heart that, that you might be saved. Jesus, I pray right now that you would do a spiritual awakening in this place for somebody. And that, Lord, there would be a quickening right now, like a, a buzzing in the heart almost, a, a zap from heaven. <laughs> that for somebody, this would be the moment where the spiritual wake-up happens. And that's happening for you right now. Somebody, you're sitting here while we're praying and you're going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me right now. Because you feel this stirring inside. And it's God by his Holy Spirit saying to you, I want you to have my love as the foundation of your life. I want you to be, I want you to be saved. I don't want you to walk around with this emptiness and hellish heaviness anymore. Like this is God bringing you to himself. And for somebody right now, this is the moment where you will be saved for all eternity, saved by saying yes to Jesus. He's not looking for you to perfectly clean up your act first. He's not looking for you to try to prove that you deserve something. It's not even about that. He's looking at you and saying, would you just let me wash away the shame and the guilt? And would you just let me set you free and save you? And so right now, while we're all praying, everybody's, most of us anyway, have our eyes closed. And we're just praying. If you're sitting here going, I think I need that to happen. I need to be saved. Then right now, if you want to say, yes, Jesus, I want to be saved, would you just right now raise your hand really high with me? Raise it high. This is your moment. Like, this is the moment where you finally say yes to Jesus. Keep that hand up so I can connect with you right here in the middle on my left. Thank you. Someone else, this is the moment of salvation for you to be saved. Way up in the back on my right, in the far top of the risers. I see you, sister. That's great. Excellent. Who else? This is the moment to finally say, I get to be saved. Not I get to be perfect and not I get to be most religious. I get to be saved. Anybody else, you just know, I want this gift of salvation. Over here in the middle of my right, thank you. Those of you who had a hand raise, if you're outside, we're checking in with you outside too. And online, you can type in, I want to say yes to Jesus. And with your hand raised, now join me and pray. And you start like this, something like this. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You say it with me. Every voice, you could join me and say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Every voice, affirm your faith together with a few brothers and sisters joining this family and say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And you, you with your hands raised, you just say, Jesus, I, I admit that I'm a sinner and I, I don't want to be known as just a sinner anymore. I want to be saved from my sin. And so Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive my sin and save my life? Jesus, I turn to you. I turn, I repent and turn away from the sin. I turn to you, Jesus. Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? Jesus, would you give me the gift of new life? Those of you who had a hand raised, would you just say, Jesus, 
Jesus, I'm yours. <laughs> that changes everything. Jesus, I'm yours. Just say it to him. Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. Hallelujah. Thank you for new life. While we're praying together, our ministry team is going to be looking for those of you who just had a hand raised to bring a Bible to you and to help you begin a journey of growing in this faith. But everybody else, I want you to stand up. And what I saw as you're standing up, what I saw was, what I saw was four men and women waking up spiritually and saying yes to Jesus. And I kind of think that there ought to be a response about that. A response on earth like the one in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. Okay, we're standing together in prayer and we're praying. Sometimes our praying needs to include some lamenting. Because Buffalo, New York happened. And I believe that in those kinds of moments, you, you can't just ignore. Like, let's just acknowledge something. What happened out there in Buffalo, New York was wicked and despicable. And, and as a church community, we need to be willing to say so and to say that was despicable and it's lamentable. And, and let's just take a step further into this, if you don't mind. What happened was explicit racism of the most vile, worst kind with a guy with a manifesto about his white supremacy and racist stuff on the end of his gun with a live stream that can see it as, as 10 people were brutally murdered, eight black brothers and sisters murdered, specifically targeted because of their race. Who that follows Jesus wouldn't say, that is wicked and I denounce it? I, I will. And I don't care if anybody thinks, oh, you're virtue signaling baloney. It's just simply, how can you not? How can you not denounce that kind of garbage? How can you stand in God's presence and say, I love you, God, but not denounce that kind of racist garbage taking place in our country? And I think some of us as believers need to grow up a little and be able to say, I'm going to call it what it is. It's despicable, racist garbage. And I stand against that. I just hope that we would do that together. You know what, I, a little further, I just hope that some of us would have some compassion in us, especially people if you look like me. What, do, what does it feel like to know our people targeted because of the color of our skin explicitly? How, how awful. And I, I, out of empathy, I just... Something inside of me says, I, I don't even know exactly what that would feel like, but it's terrible. And in our community, I, mean, I hope that you have a heart like this to say, man, I, I stand against that. And maybe even to, to, to look at someone, especially if you look like me, to look, to look at someone who, who is of a different race, particularly, if I can say this, a black brother or sister. And to, to, to take this moment to say, I don't know about all of that racist garbage hatred that took place in Buffalo, but I stand with you and I love you. Hey, we're not done. Don't clap. Don't clap. 
I wonder if you could be a body of Christ. Around this room, I mean, maybe there's not a, a million black brothers and sisters in our church, but there are a good number of African-American brothers and sisters in our church, and I would hope that some of us right now would do it exactly what I just said. Not just say it and clap about it, but literally right now, right now, you go stand next to somebody not like you, and you put your arm around that brother, that sister, and you say, I don't know about that garbage, but I'm with you, and I'm for you, and I love you. You can do it right now. I hope you would. I hope you would. I hope you would maybe even get uncomfortable and go, man, I, I got to do this. I want someone to know. I don't know about that racist garbage. That's garbage that I denounce, but I stand with you. I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I, to whatever degree I can, I'm seeing the pain of what just happened. And I'm saying, no, no, not on my watch in my country. No. Because I'm for you. Because I love you. Because you're a brother. You're a sister to me. I got my arm around you. We're together. I got your back. I can't even feel it all the way, but I'm beginning to catch a sense of the pain. Father, I pray right now in this moment that you would cause some of us to, to wake up spiritually to to some of the garbage that still happens in this country, and that we would begin to say, no, 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 because it's the work of the devil, and we stand against it, and we stand with Jesus, arms around one another, for the sake of love in the kingdom of God. So Father, I pray for healing, and also I pray for protection. We together, we take a stand for our region, and we say, no buffalo demonic racist garbage here in Jesus' name. We declare covering and protection over our region in the spiritual realm and a reversal of racist mindsets. We pray for that. This, this provokes me. What has happened, it provokes me. We got, we got to take a stand and say, no more, no more. Father, I pray that your kingdom come in every way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I want to just share one last thing, and that is that um, next week, Ann and I are beginning our sabbatical, which I'm very grateful we get to experience. And the purpose of this is that an extended leave to, to recover, rest, refuel, recalibrate, heal, restore, a bunch of those things. And I'm grateful we get to do that. And uh, thank you for being a body that has allowed me to do that through our, our boards approving it. But also, I want to say thanks to our team, because I, can't, I couldn't do this if there wasn't an amazing team. You're going to be in good hands while I leave. Actually, I want uh, uh, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Will, and Christopher um, and uh, Pastor Reggie, would you come up? And I'm, I'm, I can't see everybody, but th these, these ones represent our team. Okay, so, and then Pastor Aaron. I want you to know, that, and there's a few more that aren't here. Pastor Rick in particular, our executive pastor, is out sick. But I want you to hear a couple of things. As I step out, Pastor Rick runs Point, 
and then together with Christopher Minoya. Christopher, you don't know very much because he's always behind the scenes. He's our executive director of operations and finance. But together with Christopher and Rick, they are the directional executive leadership team in my absence, and you're in good hands with these guys. And then Pastor Reggie, and Pastor Daryl, and Pastor Aaron, and Pastor Will, and well, Brittany, and then the line goes on and on. The people that are, you're in good hands. And there's many others who you're in good hands with. And I want you to, together to kind of say, all right, I'm going to take what's, what's on me, and I'm going to say, you got it. Okay, you got it. Like, catch them and take it. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so to, together, we commission you to lead with authority, to shepherd, minister, and pastor, and lead with authority in this church body in the absence of the lead pastor. I have no doubt whatsoever as to whether you can. I know you can, and I commission you to do it. And I thank you for doing it so that I can get the breath catching that I need. Thank you, brothers. And I would ask you to pray for me. And uh, Daryl, if you wouldn't mind, I... Yes, yeah, we're going to, as a church family, we're going to pray for Pastor and John and Pastor, Pastor Ann. Can, you, you, come up here, can you come up as well? If, you are, uh, if you're newer with us and maybe this is your first time and, you know, the guy who's speaking is not going to be gone <laughs> for, a, for a little bit. Uh, pastor John uh, is our lead pastor, and some churches call that a senior pastor. Ultimately, it means that he carries the weight and the responsibility along with Pastor Ann, everything that happens here at Centerpoint. And so we love you. We uh, appreciate you. We're going to miss you guys while you're away, but we're going to be praying for you and uh, all those good R words that you said, <laughs> rest, rest, healing, refueling, you know, <laughs> all that, that they'll be given to you uh, as you spend time with Jesus. And, and um, I'm going to ask uh, Chris, you want to pray for them? Father, we thank you so much for Pastor John and for Pastor Ann. We thank you so much for the unique way that you have created them, the giftings that you've blessed them with to minister and build your kingdom here in Marietta at Centerpoint Church with us, Lord. We thank you for the gift that that is. We pray now that you would go with them uh, as they, they leave on sabbatical. They're not leaving permanently. They're their ministry continues, Lord, and I pray that you would do all those things. Recharge them, give them rest, revitalize them. Uh, Lord, I pray that it would be a life-changing experience where they get, they get to experience together. Not only life-changing, God, but I pray that it would be transformational. That you would transform them, shape them, and mold them for the season that lies ahead for them and your kingdom, God. So that they would come back sharper and ready to launch into what you have for Centerpoint, what you have for Marietta, Lord, what you have for Southern California. That they would be your agents of change here, Lord. We thank you so much for them. We pray that you would bless them immensely. Give them peace now as they leave. Let them know that we love them, that we are with them and stand behind them. Pour out your love on them. Be with them every step of the way. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, isn't it good to be together? Thank you, God. Thank you. Can we, can we lift up some noise and just thank God for the good things that 
has taken place today. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. Well, we're so glad that we are all together here today. And if you are new or you are visiting with us, you're a guest with us, make sure to stop by those blue tables on your way out. We want to say hello, give you that gift. Um, and if you uh, raised your hand to say yes to Jesus, but someone from the team didn't come up to you to pray with you and to give you a Bible, we're going to have a prayer team right up at the front. So come and receive prayer. Come and find a Bible. Uh, and if you have any other things that you want prayer for, come and get some prayer. Uh, for everything else, go to mycenterpoint.tv and just stay in the loop. All right, we love you. God bless.